Well, good afternoon, folks. We're coming back to our series of Running on Empty. Remember what this series is about. It's helping you refuel spiritually before you come to a spluttering stop at the side of the road. So whether you're in lockdown, life is crazy, trying to balance working from home, being a school, while renovating every room and landscaping the garden, or whether life's come to a crashing halt and you're bored and frustrated and all the other things that come from maybe being lonely, this series is about filling you up in this tough time to make sure that you don't run out of fuel, that you can keep going, but also to say, okay, when we come out of this, the principles that we'll have learned, the lessons that we'll have learned will still work. Those principles are still going to help us. I mean, can you run on empty emotionally? Yeah. Financially? Definitely. Can you run on empty relationally? You really can. Spiritually, you bet. You can run on empty that way. And for some of you, the red light's been on for a long time, long before the lockdown. And we've been looking at different reasons why, how you can run out of fuel, how we can get ourselves to that place where we just come to a spluttering stop and how we can maybe get to ourselves to a place that will help us find a strategy for dealing with your specific lockdown Um issues or, or whatever it is that's draining your tank. We've looked at the importance of trying to carry a lighter load and letting God bear the weight of the burdens. We've talked about slowing down, hurrying less. We've spoken about starting the day with a full tank and having a quiet time. Last time out we talked about Elijah and his sudden breakdown as if maybe he'd been ignoring his fuel gauge or perhaps his gauges had been broken and he just didn't see it coming. Today the lesson's really simple. For optimum performance you need to check the owner's manual. I'm going to begin by reading something from my own owner's manual for my car. It's the schedule maintenance guide. Now, I've got to confess, never read it until yesterday, but it begins like this. It says, uh, regular maintenance is essential for obtaining the highest level of performance, safety and reliability from your car. This booklet is designed to help you make sure that your vehicle receives proper and timely maintenance. And it ends by saying, follow this booklet's recommendations and you'll enjoy maximum reliability and peace of mind from your vehicle for many years to come. So the manual is saying, read the book and have regular scheduled maintenance. Folks, the Bible is our owner's manual. It comes straight from the manufacturer himself, who's taken great care and time and effort to make you. He's put a lot of time in, into that and making sure that we have the instructions we need to maintain optimum performance. The Bible will tell us what our limits are, what our range is for us. The manufacturer knows what we've been made from. He knows what we've been made for. He knows our limits. So your gut, your experience isn't going to change the size of tank the manufacturers put in there. The size of your tank is, it is what it is, okay? And much like my own car, yes, there's a wee bit of room for leeway. There's some wiggle room, but long-term Optimum performance is put out for us in the manual. The Bible tells us what we can and can't do. In fact, go back to the Exodus story. People have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. I doubt they had many days off as slaves. I don't think their work environment was conducive to their well-being. So imagine Moses. He takes 2 million of these Jewish people out of captivity. They need to establish some new rules. A pattern for living that isn't slavish. 
defined by the Egyptians. So Moses heads up the mountain and comes back with two tablets of stone. Four commands on the first tablet, six on the other. It's the Ten Commandments. One tablet to tell us how we relate to God. The second tablet, the six commandments at the end, how we relate to each other. Let's focus on the tablet of four to how we relate to God. Rule one, acknowledge him. No one before him. He's first. Rule two, adore him. No graven images. Rule three, appreciate him. Don't take his name in vain. Don't misuse it. Rule four, accommodate him. Take a Sabbath. It's in the manual. Uh, take a day off. It's been so amazing. You're a slave and you're coming out and you go, oh, here we go. Here's all the rules. Here we go. And then rule number four, number four, straight off the bat, chill out. Of all the Ten Commandments, this is the tender commandment. But it's a commandment nonetheless. So let's read the verses quickly. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, which makes this commandment the longest and the most detailed of the ten. Funny that the one that we tend to ignore the most is the most detailed. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock. So even animals are getting a day off. It goes on though. Or the traveller who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Why do we ignore this one above all the rest? The other nine get far more attention and they come more naturally, more obviously to us. Don't murder. Okay, duh. Don't steal or curse God. Okay, yeah. Honour your parents. Don't really like it when you're young. As a parent, I love it. Don't cheat on your wife. Well, yeah, obviously. And yet the fourth commandment is telling us how to make the most of our life, to make the most of our freedom that we have now in Christ, now that we're out of Egypt, now that we're out of sin. And yet we would say, but of course we take scripture seriously. Psalm 119 verse 4 says... Keep diligently the statutes of the law. This We're supposed to be enthusiastic about keeping it and not being disobedient to God. And so here he says, look, here's a rule. Relax. Take a day off. One of the greatest blessings of not being in chains is being able to stop and enjoy and relax the freedom that God has given us. Yet people will brag about breaking this commandment. They'd never brag about breaking the others, I hope. But you'll hear some say, oh, I haven't had a day off in four years. Well, well done you. 52 weeks a year times four years, that's 208 sins that you've just confessed or bragged about. You really want me to celebrate that level of sinfulness, that level of pride in sinfulness? It's not going to happen. Now, I'm well aware that people of different generations, different church backgrounds will come to this message and they'll have certain expectations or an interest in specifics about what day the Sabbath should be or how it should look and, and all the rest of it. Like, let me say this. This message is part one of two, but I'm not particularly interested in laying out specific rules for you to follow to say, okay, your Sabbath has to look like this and this and this, and there has to be uniformity across the church and all the churches. I'm not interested in that. I don't think that's biblical at all. And I'll say why in a moment. But what I want to do is show you some principles that we should be applying to how we keep our Sabbath. So you may keep a Sabbath differently to me. That's fine. But if we keep the same principles. It's going to move us towards the same goal. Which is 
Well, the first tablet of the first four commandments is to move us towards God. The idea is have no other gods. Don't keep the name in vain. No graven images. These principles are about coming to God the right way, with the right attitude, with the right heart, having the right relationship with him. So this is not a rule about what you can and cannot do, but it's about finding the right balance in our lives. Life consists of balance. The owner's manual tells us the right balance. Six days shall you labour and do all your work. The seventh is separate. It's different. It's Shabbat. The word Shabbat or Sabbath literally means just stop. It's a day of stop. Six days we do our work and then we stop. Now, some people say, okay, six days to do my paid work. And then I have a seventh day to do the garden and redecorate and all the other jobs. No, you're missing the point. That's not it. Six days you do all your work, all of it. I'm not going to go through this in a lot of detail, but the principle of the Sabbath is not just having a day off. The Old Testament talks about a Sabbath year. Every seventh year you stop growing crops. The, the nation stopped working as sons. They allowed the soil to rest and the people were to rely on God to provide. One in seven years you grew up with this. Then you have the Sabbath of Sabbaths. So every seven sets of seven years, you have the year of Jubilee, which you can read about and study Leviticus 25. Now, here's what's interesting though. The people of Israel, once they got into the promised land, once Moses brought them out through and all the rest of it, they ignored the fourth commandment and the principles of rest and the Sabbath years. They, they kind of let that slip. Like God allowed that to happen for so long. In fact, almost 500 years, 490 years, they were in the land and then the Babylonians come and they're taken into exile. After 490 years, God was owed 70 years of Sabbath. And that's how long the people were in exile for. It's all in there. Second Chronicles 36 verse 21. This is why the exile happened. The point is God takes the Sabbath seriously. He put it in the owner's manual for a reason. You need to take it seriously. And so the first principle is remember the Sabbath. Now, does he mean you wake up and you need to sort of think, what, what, what day is it? Now, I'll be honest, there's been definitely a couple of times in the last week or so where I've got to the point where I'm going, actually, what day is this? Now, they all kind of blow in together, but that's not what remembering a Sabbath really is about. Whenever I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, the Tesco's run or the grocery run, whatever it is, Ruth will maybe shout something like, look, don't forget the bread, remember. She doesn't mean as I'm walking around the shop, I'm supposed to just be thinking about bread and bread related things. And then I come home and I didn't get any bread, but I thought a lot about it. No, she says, don't forget the bread as in remember, do actively do something about our bread situation in the house. Remember so that you can act. Think so that it causes a response. God has commanded us, don't forget about the Sabbath. Don't forget about stopping for a full day. Remember it so that you can keep it holy. You can keep it distinctive. It can be separate from us. It's about moving towards holiness. For, for the married couples in the church, I hope you're in the habit of a date night. I know you can't really do that right now. And I'm really missing just going out for a coffee with Ruth or, or a restaurant or something. I, I love it. I love just sneaking off, you know, on a Monday after doing the school run. How often you can, we can get that time varies depending on how old your kids are. But it's important to find time for one another, especially in lockdown, just for your sanity. But the idea of date night is to have this committed time set aside for the relationship. The rules may vary from couple to couple. You may agree that you don't 
talk about the children, you don't talk about work and you're very strict about that. You stop all that and you invest just in the relationship um, or with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your fiance, whatever it happens to be for you. But sometimes you might say, well, look, I know you've been under the caution a lot. How are you coping with the whole work thing? How are you dealing with that person who's doing your head in? And, you know, you're trying to feel that person out so you know how to respond. But what are your needs? What do you need from me as your partner in life? And a husband and wife can be ships in the night sometimes. And I know in lockdown, Ruth and I, as soon as she comes in from work or, or finishes her thing, I say, right, tag, you're in. Help them finish the homework. I need to get into the study. I need to prepare the next message or vice versa. I, I'm in up early, uh, seven o'clock, trying to get things done so that I can let Ruth do work. And we don't spend an awful lot of time together because we're trying to do everything else. Remembering each other means responding and making the time for one another, stopping everything else and keeping the relationship strong. Now, that's Sabbath. It's a day a week where you can stop working, stop everything else that might distract you so you can invest in your relationship with God. That will include spending time with other Christians, worshipping together. It means I'm not going to talk about work. I'm not going to worry about the to-do list. I'm not going to focus on those things that, yes, are important, but I'm going to deal with the other important stuff in my life that I haven't had time for. The relationships that matter. My heavenly father, my heavenly family. So how do we remember the Sabbath? Well, I'm realizing I'm getting to the stage now where if I want to remember anything that isn't going to happen immediately, I need to write it down. So if you want a Sabbath, I say, write it down, put it in your calendar, write it in ink on your diary. Nothing's happening today. It's set aside for hanging out with God. In Deuteronomy, God says, guard the Sabbath. The only way I can protect the Sabbath is if I put my pen through the day. It's not a free day. It's not available for other things. That time, that slot, it's accounted for. Verse 9 in Exodus 20 reminds us, like six days shall you labor, you do everything else. In other words, work hard so you've got something to rest from and rest from. Hard work in the Bible, it's exalted, it's commended. Colossians 3 tells us, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you received inheritance as reward as you're serving the Lord Christ. We're to work hard. That's the distinction we make between Sabbath and every other day. We don't work. We remember to not work because we remember the other stuff that matters is going on. So the first principle, remember. Second principle, relax. Relax. You get to spend time with someone who loves you to an incomprehensible level. And the same way I look forward to having date night with just Ruth and myself, so too Sabbath. As a church family, we come together, we sing, we smile. It's not to burden you, it's to build you up. It, you should look forward to it. I can't wait to be with the one I love. So we worship. We refresh our souls. We rest our bodies from work. We renew the family bonds and rejoice in all of God's goodness. It's the tender commandment. Stop everything. Let's chill. Let's relax. Let's have some we time with God. It should be the highlight of the week. But if we're being honest, that's not really our experience. Sure it's not. We joke about Sunday being the busiest day of the week. That's really dangerous if it's true. 
let's go back to the Jews for a moment. Because when we fast forward to after the 70 years in exile, they come back to Jerusalem after those Sabbaths that God has reclaimed and the land has rested. They realised what's happened. They've understood it. And so they've overcompensated them. And they get really legalistic about the Sabbath. Well, if we're going to keep it, we've got to keep it right. And so they managed to take the rest out of the Sabbath and they made it hard for themselves. They took any joy out of spending time with God and it became something people had to endure. Keeping Sabbath strangled the Sabbath. and made people want to maybe strangle each other, maybe. But in the Babylonian Talmud, the Jews spent pages upon pages upon pages discussing the term what carrying a burden meant and what constituted breaking the Sabbath. Is carrying a candle into a dark room a burden? Well, how big is the candle? Well, can we define that? What about big jewellery, a brooch or earrings? Is that a weight? Is that a burden? Seriously, they even discussed whether a mother should pick up a crying baby on the Sabbath. Is that lifting a burden? Is that lifting a weight? Does that break the Sabbath? And I kid you not, 4,000 years ago when this was written, they wondered if putting false teeth in was bearing a burden. If you go to Israel today, they still are very strict about their Sabbath. The elevators on the hotels will, will stop at every floor on the Sabbath because touching a button was considered too unnecessary. So they just do it automatically. Growing up, maybe you had variations on rules. No TV, no shopping, no sports. Maybe you had lots of rules and maybe you had none. And this whole conversation seems very strange to you. The point's this. The day should be holy. It should be distinctive for God. It should be different on a Sabbath to every other day because it's set aside from work. So don't make it work by putting in rules and regulations because it's a day set aside for rest. Don't make it a day set aside for rules. And this is where the principles come in and the rules have to stay out because I know what works for me is not gonna work for other people because I know I'll more than happily sit and watch a Six Nations rugby match on a Sunday if I've got the freedom and the chance to do so. But I would never think of playing competitively a game of football or anything on Sunday. I'll play games with my girls, with my nieces and nephew, no problem. But for me, when fun becomes competition, well, I feel that that moves me away from the principles of Sabbath. Have fun with my family, absolutely. Play competitively, no. I, I've had birthday guest-togethers with my family for um, birthday cake for Sophie on, on a Sunday. But then I've also said, okay, but you can't go to someone else's birthday party on a Sunday. Because Sabbath is about family coming together, not disappearing off and doing your own thing. And for some of you listening, you'll say, Jeff, I don't agree with that. That's fine. That you keep Sabbath your way. Let me keep my Sabbath my way. But remember, we have to agree on the principles here that it's about rest, to make a day holy, to draw us closer to God, to be have a deeper appreciation of the relationship that we have with the giver of all these things that we have to enjoy. I can have family around because in that I'll rejoice and thank God for the family and the support and the blessing that they are. If you don't have family or your family situation is different, it will look different. But remember, Jesus said, Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's designed to keep us rested refueled ready for the week ahead exodus tells us this not only in chapter 20 but in chapter 23 verse 12 we read that we are to keep the sabbath why so that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your maidservant may be refreshed the idea is it's about building and rest for the week ahead keeping the sabbath means that you go into work monday morning whistling 
Now, you probably get dirty looks from people. How dare you be happy on a Monday? How dare you? You know, everyone gets grumpy. It's like, oh, it's Monday. But you know what? A happy, diligent worker doesn't have a whole lot of competition. And a Christian ought to be that kind of worker because you spent the day before, you spent that day with the Lord. Your heart is lighter. Your soul is lifted. Your body is refreshed. Workers in America admit to spending 20% of their time goofing off, messing around. Now, if I work that out, right, if you're working a five-day week and taking 20% off, that's an entire day a week messing around. And that's what they've admitted to. Talking to Ruth, I'd imagine that's pretty universal. <laughs> but let me tell you a wee story. An employee died, went to heaven, and when he got to the gates, he complained to St. Peter. Okay, so yeah, it's one of these dumb jokes with uh, Peter at the gates with his clipboard, okay? But the guy dies, he goes to heaven, and he complains. And he says... Peter, you must have made a mistake, son. I, I can't be here. I'm too young to die. I'm only 35. Peter goes and checks the records. He comes back and says, well, that's strange. According to the timesheet, you've been putting in your 97. 20% of the time, Americans are admit to messing around. As a believer, you and I ought to have the very best work ethic. So that those six days are the most productive they can be. But here's the point. Here's, here's the essence of the message. Life consists of balance. Vocation, vacation. Hard work, rest. Responsibility, hanging out. Work is good. Commitment is good. But overwork is bad. Overcommitment is bad. And if you're the kind that brags about breaking this commandment, I haven't had a day off in so many years. Well, you're hurting your family. You're hurting your own health. You're going to hurt anybody who's going to try and get close to you. In Nehemiah 13, and this is the last verse before we, we finish, the children of Israel, they're coming back from captivity. And here, here's Nehemiah's take on it. He says, In those days I saw the people of Judah treading the wine, the wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wines, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens with which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. I warned them about the day in which they were selling these provisions. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah. I said to them, what evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus? Did not our God bring on all, all this disaster upon us and on the city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath? Do, do you see the problem? They were working on the day they should have been worshipping. So God allocates time to work, but also for enjoyment. So folks, take the day, take the day, take all day and rest. Take it, recharge, renew, be refreshed in body and in spirit. I heard about a mum who was taking her kids to school and she was speeding. She gets pulled over by the police and, and the police officer gives her a warning and says, like, stay under the limit. Now, she'd never done that in her life. She always was going faster than what she should have gone. And uh, she always got her kids just there, barely on time. And so when she pulls out of where she'd been pulled in by the police, she moves off slowly and stays at the speed limit. And she's going along, she says, what is that noise I hear? And one of the boys in the back says, that's the noise of slow. You've never heard that noise before, mama. Some of you need to hear that sound. You need to hear it once a week. In fact, I'm going to go back to the owner's manual for my car. Listen to what it says. It says, your dealer may recommend more frequent maintenance intervals or more maintenance services than those listed in the scheduled maintenance law. So I don't know when was the last time you heard this in a sermon, but chill it. Relax. That's in order. 
It's in the manual. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Ten Commandments. We thank you for the tender commandment. You and your tender grace and mercy have given us instruction, admonition, and yes, a command, a directive to take a day and rest. And also command those other six days to work hard as like we're working for you. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be productive even in this lockdown, that we would be hard, diligent workers, reflecting a creative, diligent creator, but then also reflecting your image, taking time to be renewed and refreshed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, folks. And God, I, I pray that uh, you'll be looking after yourself and looking after each other still in these difficult days. I love you all. God bless.